Hello and welcome to the Reverend Hunter Podcast. This is Tony Jones. I'm the Reverend Hunter. Joined as always by the Dr. Watson to my Sherlock Holmes, Brandon. I think we've got a repeat, everybody. I should what? I'm sorry. I think so. I think Son we've, I of think a we've gun. used it. I think we have. Now, if I'm gonna look back. If we haven't used it, I'm just gonna it's just pie. Oh no. It's just pie in my face. <laughs> Brandon, I'm so sorry if I repeated. That's possible. No, I mean, it almost seems sort of ironic in a way that you repeated on Dr. Sherlock. <laughs> so. On Sherlock Holmes, the guy who's supposed to figure out the mysteries. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Brandon, what have you been up to? How are you doing? I've been doing really well. I've been going to a lot of live shows, a lot of uh, comedy event last night and stuff like that. So no just kidding. Been keeping active. Yeah. How about yourself? What's the What's the best show you've seen recently? Oh, geez. I, I, it's so hard for me to say, honestly. Um, there's a band called The Chats from Australia. They were a lot of fun. Okay. So I got to see them. Yeah. I've just been seeing like a lot of smaller bands from all around the world since awesome. everybody's, yeah, everybody's touring again. It's great. Yeah, that is great. Man, I've been busy. I uh, I just got back from Italy a couple days ago. I led a tour for writers in uh, Rome and Florence. Rome is the city that has my heart. It's my favorite city in the world. Been there many, many times. Love it so much. Uh, and we just had a great group with a couple priests, a professor, a sommelier, uh, a couple pastors. Holy smokes, did we have a good time. And yeah, the food it, and the wine and incredible. So. Your, your pictures of the food alone made me want to take a trip there. It's yeah, man. Amazing. Well, you should come with uh, the next time. I'm going to lead another tour in Italy, a similar tour in um, April. I think April of 2024, maybe a couple weeks, a week or two after Easter in 2024. Um, you know, I've run these tours there small we had nine people on this trip which is nice because we don't have a big tour bus we do most stuff on foot we really see a city at street level it's a much more intimate kind of tour than a big bus tour um so anyway people can get in touch with me if they want to about that and then in a couple weeks i'll be going to north carolina for a podcast conference uh it's called the uh theology beer camp God Pod Edition, put on by my friend Trip Fuller at Homebrewed Christianity. Um, anybody who wants to go to that, actually, you can find it on the Homebrewed Christianity website and use the code Rev Hunt to get fifty bucks off your uh, registration. So I hope to see some people there, Brandon. It, but by the way, I hope to take some remote gear so I can record a couple podcasts that weekend. I'll be in touch with you about that, buddy. Oh, for sure. I plan on sending some with. There should be uh, some good content for sure. And then I was just looking at my calendar, Brandon, and that's the first of nine straight weekends I'm going to be gone. <laughs> wow! Wow! So that's I, impressive. I mentioned that to I mentioned that to Courtney, and uh, I don't I wouldn't say she smiled. <laughs> <laughs> There's just a little glimmer in her eye, though. It's like it's like I go to this conference, and then it's straight into. Uh, hunting season it's like deer hunting then pheasant then deer then pheasant then pheasant then pheasant yeah i mean it's it's wow it's a lot of hunting but it's it's all good it's all that good time of year it's that time of year yeah well this this podcast episode this week isn't really about hunting so much as it is about um well it's about gun ownership but it goes a lot deeper than that we don't even really talk that much about gun ownership we talk more about um 
liberals and conservatives and gun culture and gun reality. Uh, it's oh my gosh, this guy, Mianovich. You'll you we'll get into his whole name right off the bat, but uh, Mianovich is what a fascinating dude. So thoughtful, um, uh, just really well read, and uh, I I don't know. I told Courtney last night after this conversation. I said for the first time in my life, I actually would consider um, concealed carry, like carrying a, a, a firearm, just based on his conversation. So if that's I'm not going to do it. I don't think, but if that's intriguing to you, I think you'll really like this conversation absolutely fascinating guy and uh man i you know you can you can find his organization liberal gun owners in the show notes uh, also just by googling liberal gun owners following lgo and his lgo lens podcast on all the socials and stuff like that so pretty fascinating conversation i'm very thankful that he came on uh before we get to that just remember all fall long Grain Belt is sponsoring the Reverend Hunter podcast. Bring Grain Belt to the outdoors, friends. Get their limited edition premium hunting season pack wherever you buy Grain Belt. And go to www.grainbelt.com slash hunting dash trip. And you can register and enter to win a hunting trip for two at Brown's Hunting Lodge. Uh, do that. Pick up some Grain Belt. Enjoy it while you listen to my conversation with Mianovich of the Liberal Gun Owners Association. Thanks, as always, for your support by listening, liking, sharing, reviewing, subscribing. Love you all. Enjoy your fall hunting season. Here's my conversation with Liberal Gun Owners Executive Director Mianovich. Okay, hey, Randy. Thanks for coming on the Reverend Hunter podcast, man. Tony, thank you so much for having me, dude. I'm really looking forward to this. Okay, let's start with your last name, Mion. But yeah. that's not what you go by. You go by sure. Mianovich. Yeah. So let, fill us in, man. What, what's what's right. the deal with that? Okay, so I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And I think it was in 09. Was it 09? The, the last time that the Pittsburgh Penguins were in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And uh, so I have a tendency to do things like refer to myself in third person when I'm talking to myself. Like, Daddy doesn't like that, or (laughs) Randy doesn't like that, or Randy's not going to like that. So um, I was, um, I was, I had a Russian voice going on the whole playoff series, and I was talking to myself a lot, you know, like daddy doesn't like the, you know, whatever, whatever. I'm not going to try to do the impression again, but, okay. but Sydney, you know, daddy doesn't like it when Sydney Crosby gets smashed into the boards. Daddy doesn't like it when the four check is weak, right? Randy doesn't like it with the Russian accent. Okay. So at the same time, that was the week that I decided for whatever reason, I was going to have to have a, a, a YouTube, like I needed not a, like a yeah YouTube account. So I opened up my YouTube account at the same time. And then um, <laughs> so I was playing with like Russian names in my head of what my Russian hockey name would be. And Mianovich was one of them. Okay. 
So that I, that that was a perfect hockey name. It might not. Maybe it's Czech. Maybe it's somewhere uh, around yeah. there. Yeah. I don't. I, you know. So I and when it came time to dis, to choose my username during that time, I was just I had all those names in my head, and I was just like, I'm just gonna go with Mianovic. And so I put Mianovic in there, and that's where it came from. It's been my online handle for whatever, 12-ish years, 13 okay. years or something like that. Okay. That's where it comes from. And I then love also that origin I, story, man. I love it. And it works perfectly into we have this running gag in Liberal Gun Owners about the church of Czech weaponry. Like A number of us are into CZ a lot, and I'm kind of okay. one of those dudes. So Mianovic, and, and like we have this jokey kind of a church of Czech weaponry that we talk, we give each other blessings and there's like dogma and, uh, you know, all this stuff. And so Mianovic plays well into the church of uh, technology, the church of Czech weaponry. Oh my gosh, that's even better. Um, <laughs> I love that. Okay, before we even get into it, I want to, I want to roll, I want to throw something by you that, um, and and love to get your reaction on, and then we'll then we'll back up and kind of get the origin story for your organization stuff like that. I mean, first sure. of all, there's got to be a lot of jokes like, um, "Oh, I found the one liberal gun owner in the country." Congratulations! Do you, you get that a lot? Uh, it, yeah, I mean, a little bit now. It's not as much as before. It wasn't nearly factual before, and it sure as hell isn't factual now. So yeah. Yeah, there's there you get it, but and I'm sure we'll get into this later, but um if you just take the snapshot of the gun culture itself and how the the gun culture speaks online and speaks to one another. Mm-hmm. Uh liberal gun ownership is a thoroughly known entity. It's mm-hmm. not like people in the gun reality or the professional gun reality are unaware. It's only people with their are we swearing or not, Tony? Are we? We can to swear. Keep this, we, like, maybe not okay. as much as your podcast, but yes, maybe I'll, like I'll a try tenth, to keep, <laughs> Yes, ten percent. I'll try to keep the f's out of it, but I, I at least have to say bullshit or head yeah, up your ass. I, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. So, like, you really, if you don't know that liberal gun ownership, if you're in the gun reality, and you don't know that liberal gun ownership is a significant thing, your head is thoroughly rammed in your ass. Like mm. it's, we have been all over the online reality for quite a number of years now. And we have two major organizations and thousands to tens of thousands of people. And we're easily spending, I don't know, gazillions of dollars. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's really not this unicorny thing. It, and it really wasn't ever. And that's another discussion. But anyway, so yes, I do hear, I do hear shit like that for sure. Yeah, and I, I I really am so fascinated by um, this this community that you've built, uh, and I want to talk about it. But I want to throw this this little anecdote at you and get your response because I I think it's probably very um, I don't know it, it won't come as any surprise to you. It was I don't know maybe a couple of years ago. You know, after some kind of school shooting, right? And yeah. I did a. I occasionally do a podcast with like no guests, just just my producer Brandon and me, and just the two of us chatting and catching up on stuff. And and this was after one of those shootings, and and I kind of went on this diatribe of like I'm a gun owner, I'm a law abiding gun owner. I have like eight guns. It's uh, you know I have a lot of guns. They're they're all hunting. They're all for hunting. But yeah. Um, 
but also saying like, but, but we do need to have, like, we need to have some kind of, you know, the phrase common sense gun control or something like that. We need to keep, keep like 17, 18 year olds from being able to go into schools and, and shoot and kill a bunch of people. And I, it was, what was interesting to me was, um, I res- I heard from several people in the outdoors media industry, which is the bait and the they they call it the cast and blast crowd or whatever. It's like journalists who cover shooting sports, fishing, etc. And they're like, dude, yep. you cannot do that. You will be blackballed. You'll never write another article Ooh. for another outdoors periodical. Like you don't. Jesus. They, they like that's off limits unless you want to just ruin your career as yeah. a, as an outdoors writer. And I was yep. like, I don't freaking care that much, but that was surprising to me. Yeah. I mean, these are guys I know because I'm personal friends with them. They're progressives. Like they vote Democrat and they're like, yeah, yeah, I agree with you, but just never ever say that on your podcast again. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So you um, must run into stuff like that. So, you, if you if you have the time, you should go back in the Liberal Gun Under's Lens podcast and listen to my episode or my series with Mike Sodini from Walk the Talk America and formerly the owner of Eagle Imports and the and the Rob Pincus series. So they are the very in the first five episodes of the podcast. Okay. So there is inside of the professional gun reality. And the gun community, um, like Wait, can, in can all you other define cultures. gun reality? Can you can you define that phrase "gun reality" for us moving forward? Because I think it's it seems well, like a little bit uh, inside baseball. Sure. I don't know that I get it. Sure. So let's start it this way: the gun culture versus the American gun owning reality. So, okay. gun culture would be ma- measurable by the professional realm of guns the YouTube influencer realm of guns, the online engagement of guns as subject matter, exchanging of information through that basis, that kind of community, people who do gun training regularly, people that are really in into it or regularly invested in the experience who then identify as gun owner and make I don't see how you measure it or understand it without understanding the online portion of it. So they're mm-hmm. using the internet as the main way to maintain this culture and this relationship between others who do it, others who really support it and like it, and the professional realm, which could be the professional instructor reality, the commerce reality, right? And then there's all of mm-hmm. the media reality around that, like magazines and things like that. That. So that would be the culture. Okay. The American gun-owning reality would be the wider thing. So there are a lot of people that own guns that don't really get into that stuff too much or just a little bit, but, they, but they're not like quote-unquote gun culture people. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. you know, I, I would consider militant extremists and – incels who want to do a school shooting who have guns and people that are fringy and way on the outside, those people are in the American gun owning reality, but they're not gun culture people. You're not going to see them at shot show. Right. 
they're not going to be necessarily online talking back and forth in the comments section of an Iraq veteran 8888 video or something like that. So that's how I see it. Everybody that owns guns in America is in, uh, is in the American gun owning reality, but not everybody is in the gun culture. Mm -hmm. Right? It's the gun culture is kind of like easily identifiable. It has the professional realm in it. It has buying and enjoyment and communication and social media. And so that that's at least a start. I think that's how we can start to kind of understand sort of like the, the two things. So if you want to understand what you were just talking about and listen to my Mike Sodini, Michael Sodini episodes and my Rob Pincus. Mm -hmm. So like in any cultural group, there are norms. And if you, if you rub the rhubarb the wrong way, you're going to hear about it, right? Because mm -hmm. cultural groups are held together by norms. And those norms, if you break, if you break them, you're going to get punished or ostracized or given a talking to or, or, or something. So this thing that you're talking about is about, I don't know if I'd want to call it dogma. Um, it's probably has something to do with like cultural dogma, but, but it certainly has to do with the cultural values that are underlying the, 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 the gun culture, right? Mm -hmm. You don't do these things. You don't say these things. If you believe it, that's fine, but don't say anything in public. All of those yeah, things yeah. are hyper prevalent. And I would say they're hyper prevalent in any situation where, there are strong beliefs about important matters and as particularly in terms of social psychology, uh, I believe it's more stringent on the right wing than it is on the left wing. You adhering to certain a per, certain prescription of beliefs in, yeah. in, in an A, B, C, E, F, G manner. So when you have such extreme conviction in an A, B, C, D, E, F, G thing, um, it it really doesn't represent what humans actually do, which is kind of have nuanced relationships to these A, B, C, D, E, F, G things. Even on the right, hmm. the, the people are, will have a more nuanced belief about gun, school shootings or uh, lock up your guns or do you, do you keep your gun in your car or whatever it is. There's going to be a more rangy belief yeah. experience with these things. But – you're not allowed to be that way. You have to be A, B, C, D, E, F, G, right? Yeah. So what you're talking about is, is hyper prevalent. And Mike Sodini, mm -hmm. who's been a professional for a long time, and Pink, Rob Pincus has been a professional for a long time in the, in the reality, they will both admit that that ab absolutely happens, that people will say one thing in public and believe another People will say will will believe something and not say it because they're afraid of the reaction of the gun company they work for, the yep. magazine they work right for, right? And that's a human thing. Humans do that, but definitely gun people do it because I think because of how important whatever the belief is, right? The purity of hunting and keeping maybe keeping the politics out of it because I have connection to, and I'll, I'll let you go after this. I know I've been talking for a bit, but, but I have a connection to a guy that's 
re a really prevalent YouTuber, like killer um, organization that he belongs to that does amazing YouTube videos. He's not even allowed to like admit he's friends with me or knows me. Mm, geez, yeah. Like yeah. he can't say that. Right. Well, that's so, you so know, yes, I, I, the yeah, yeah. Is yes, I know. Exactly Look, I, I came, I came out of the church world, and it was very similar, uh, being a progressive theologian, and for years having pastors who would uh, surreptitiously communicate with me, be like, I, I love what you're saying. I read all yeah. your books. I read your blog. But like, if my bishop knew, or if my congregation knew that you were influencing my theology, you know, like I might be fired. We, we would used to joke that like, um, sure people, I used to joke with youth pastors, like you can read my book, but you got to wrap it in a playboy cover because that's the only way you can, <laughs> it's like, it's like less bad right. for you to be reading a playboy than read my theology. And it's been interesting. It's int I don't know a lot about the, yeah. I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a super I'm not like a, I'm not super into firearms. I understand, I, I'm, I, I've got rifles, I got shotguns. I, I know very little about handguns. I love the guns I have and we can talk about them, but you know, I guess what you're saying is it's like why a guy like Ryan Bussey is like speaking at whatever the Atlantic monthly, like blah, blah, blah with former presidents and shit, because he's one of, he, he's, kind of like breaking that silence by leaving a gun company and talking about uh you know how the how the gun company companies too often are complicit in the bad stuff that happens with guns um yeah and we've had david i've had david yamani in, on the podcast so people can also go back and listen to that because of course there's a sociologist who and i know you're friends with him and um yeah has you know he has he, he really helps us understand gun culture what that is exactly and obviously his whole yeah. thing is yep gun culture 2.0 now um which i feel like i'm definitely a gun culture 1.0 guy you know yeah. like i which own I, hunting yeah, which i hunting think is fine long guns yeah yeah but yep. I, I i see that i'm in the minority um out there i, I yeah anyway so i Tell tell me how you did you start this organization and if so what led you to start it or if you, if you didn't how how'd you get involved in it and take it over like what's the genesis of all this for you There's the online Facebook community where that like the hub of the discussion community um is Facebook mm -hmm. And so there's that element and then there's the professional organization so I am the founder of the professional organization alongside with the assistance of initially um, the founder of the Facebook group. And so, and then other people that I have chosen to help me to develop the, the company, right, from the Facebook community. So it was first a Facebook group. Okay. And it started was started by a college student in 2007, in August of 2007. So we've enjoyed 15 years of that. Mm. And when I, you know, I, I don't know how if you looked into my bio or, or 
Yeah, I don't really have a bio out there, but like, yeah, you don't. So no, I didn't because <laughs> I couldn't okay, okay. find one. So, so but but on yeah. my on my ep, on my and some of the episodes, I kind of leak stuff. I really don't want everybody to know because yeah, there are dangers. Frankly, fair there enough. are dangers out there. Yeah, totally. But um, but I have a very you know maybe you and I have treaded tread some similar ground. Uh, um, I was almost a monk. Uh, I, I mm. studied Buddhism in the Drakumkagyu. And um, almost uh, took the cloth, uh, as they say, did not have, almost did not have a family. Um, and all of the householder, layperson, everyday person stuff, I almost went the other way. And there's a, there's a long, that's a long story as to how that happened. But um, I was, I shot guns as a kid. I had a lot of negativity in my upbringing. I, I walked away from it. And took 20 years off and was spending a lot of time in my 20s meditating and contemplating and studying and always on the, I was seeking answers to the great mysteries and answers to existence and answers to suffering. And, and I, you know, I ended up studying Buddhism hardcore and, but I had friends that were you know, um, Episcopalian uh, minister priests, and mm -hmm, I guess that's mm -hmm. what they called them in a gay yep. Episcopalian priests, and 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 I had Zen monk friends, and I had friends that were Quakers, and so mm. clothy type people. Uh, <laughs> I hung out with yeah, the yeah. cloth cloth clothy types, um, and I was out of guns. I, I didn't. I was. I didn't know. I wasn't against them. I was pro martial arts. I was pro self defense. But they just didn't register. Guns didn't really register. So when when I started a family, decided I wasn't going to go that route, and I started a family. Um, there was some need for me to get back into armed or into armed self defense. And around two thousand eight, so I, I would like look online for places to go because who, how do you have the mentality of a guy who like reads Lao Tzu all day and then I have guns, like yeah. so it's a weird combo. So I went online to try to find you know people that were more like that, and then liberal gun owners popped up Facebook. Now I attempted to join in the early days of the Facebook group a few times, but it was so shitty and so run by very online people who are have mental problems or emotional problems uh, it, it, and they like guns like it was just terrible and the the kid that started the whole thing didn't know how to moderate he was busy with other things so a couple of times i tried to join the facebook group and it was just it was shit stew it was just the worst mm. it was like 4chan you know 8chan it was just terrible yeah, yeah. So, so I tried to join that a few times over the years. I'd s s try and then it would suck and I'd go, I'm not sticking around for this. And then I'd try and it would suck. Well, like the third time I tried, there was a small group of decent people that were at least trying to have decent conversations. And one of those dudes I got, I became friends with. And so that made me think, all right, well, maybe there's something here to fight for. And then that dude that was my friend ended up becoming a moderator and, and because there wasn't moderation. But but mm. the, the owner, quote unquote, the founder gave my friend the mod capacity. And when he gave my friend the mod capacity, that gave me the capacity 
to start hammering these idiots out because I could be Machiavellian and tell my friend, this is the dude, get rid of him. And then we were fighting for it. And so this battle started between the more idiots and the decent people. And then I finally hit the founder up and was like, dude, look, we're going to fight for this. I'm the, I'm the guy that's out there crushing these people. I need the power. Like, give me the power. And he gave me the admin power. And then that was it. It was purge. It was rules. It was no assholes allowed. It was. And so what that did was it gave legitimate, mature liberal gun owners the ability to come onto this group and, ex- and communicate. And what that led to was something that was very useful, um, uh, v- very valuable. And I recognize as an entrepreneur that we were going to have to protect it. And the and there were so many possibilities. And the only way to do that was to create an, a 501c4 and get on it. So that's kind of how that whole thing happened. That's fascinating. And uh, again, a, 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 I, in, a, in a parallel universe, you know, I founded a progressive youth ministry organization called Progressive Youth Ministry. And, um, and, I'm the owner, whatever, an admin of the Facebook group that I think has like 3,200 people in it. And man, liberals can really freaking suck online. Um, yeah. Right? Oh, oh. I mean, and I, I want to follow this trail a bit with you because I've also seen it. Well, I just actually, just before we started talking, I applied to be in your Facebook group. Because I had read all the stuff on your website, and one of the things it does is points people to like come on the Facebook group and join the sure. join the conversation. But even on your on your website, you're pretty strong about like we don't we're not we don't tolerate assholes. And nope. what, what I've had, what you know, what I've uh, I've had a lot of people in my group um, in this progressive youth ministry group, you know, like, oh, well, you're not progressive enough. You, you know, you don't belong here. There's like becomes this litmus test for how liberal you are. And, and they throw up all these roadblocks of like, well, are you, how pro gay are you? How strong of an ally are you? You know, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, even to the point of, and this is happening, I think across, across America in, liberal environments um i know because i have like i have a straight white powerlifting 22 year old son who goes to an ivy league school and struggles with being silenced a lot because you know all for for good reason of i mean i, I get where it's coming from of course and i'm sure you do too when people say to him you shouldn't speak in this class like he's had classmates tell him I've heard enough from white men in my life. I hope you don't ever speak in this class all semester. Like to his face, just said that to him. And um, this is, I think the worry is, we're going to talk two-way, but I think there's a worry in progressive America that it's the one A. It's it's the First Amendment that I think sometimes the, the left is willing to um, ignore or overthrow because they just don't want everybody to have a voice. And so people are getting silenced and I could just see, obviously not part of your Facebook group yet, but I can just see in 
the rhetoric you're using on your website, it's like you've had experience over that the 15 years with that in your group. Yeah, it, it would have destroyed it and it was destroying it. And the only reason there is a liberal gun owners is because I put a stop to it and I pay people to moderate against it. Huh. I don't have people just volunteering against it because it's not enough. Hmm. So I pay two people. Two people get paid out of essential monies to keep toxic left-wing people from destroying liberal gun owners' Facebook, oh not from keeping shithead, shithead patriots. Because the shithead patriot cons, they they can't even make it past the gate. They're, they're so obvious. <laughs> and so yeah. our gate and our... Our rules e easily, yeah. you can see them coming from a mile away. It's mm. the people on the left that are the threat to liberal gun owners Facebook. They are the prime because what? Because what? What, what do the they? What? What do they try to do when they get in there? The people so, on the left. Uh, well, they start. What they they do is purity tests, like you were saying, and mm -hmm. so everything is judged from concepts like white male patriarchy and and nothing in the world is okay and if things like if you don't have yeah yeah if you're white and male you don't have a thing to say you don't get the same like they try the same mm. the same extreme shit and i and i should say there's a shadow to every subculture right every subculture has a shadow in it so in those shadows can become toxic and they are often associated with more extreme viewpoints. So what we're talking about here is not the entirety of whatever subculture we, we can address who does this. So it could be marginalized people, it could be uh, Marxists, it could be it could be any subset and there are a lot of subsets inside of the left. But each of those subsets isn't necessarily fully toxic, but there is an aspect of it, each one that's toxic. And there's an aspect of meat and potatoes right down the middle, moderate liberalism that's toxic. Every culture, subculture has a toxic aspect. But on the left, um, there are a lot of them and they benefit from not being face-to-face -face with other humans and they're on the internet and they can be highly destructive and disruptive. And their basic take is that if, you know, so... One of these extreme people on the left, what ends up happening is the person on the existential map puts a pin down where they they are, where their beliefs have them stand. Mm -hmm. And then they draw the tightest circle that they can around that pin. And they say, if you aren't in here, this circle with me, the way I see it, you're complicit to the problems of the right. world. Yeah. And so it is impossible for almost everyone to get inside that circle. So this and it's their identity and their ego identity. So they they can then constantly be in a dopaminergic rush in their head about their own self-righteousness because no hardly anyone can this is why on the left backstabbing and and, and sectarian you know intergroup uh intergroup violence is such or, or intergroup aggression or uh, nitpicking is such a problem. They can't keep anything together because they their purity tests end up turning on everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Because no one can match exactly what they're saying. Right. So 
Oh, and, then, and then, no, and then, um, and then, and then they no, get outlefted by somebody else. Like somebody else comes along, and be like, "You thought you were progressive? No, sure. no, no. I'm, I'm yep. really progressive. Yep. So now I'm, I've yeah, outflanked I, I, you." Yeah. Even people hearing me say this, and I'm just for these examples, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm going to uh, um, mention the LGBTQ plus reality because. It's something I have experience with as somebody – I worked in the HIV and AIDS community for four years and I've done this online thing forever and have plenty of gay friends that are the kind of friends that ha have had to continuously pull me aside and say, I have to say this to you because if I say this to the meat and potatoes center of the gay community, I will get steamrolled over it. Uh -huh. Like that's how bad it is sometimes. I have gay people that have to hide from the gay community that are my friends. Because it's so fucking bad, but that's not a mystery to anybody whose head is not who, whose head is not in the sand. Particularly if the person is gay and honest, you know the one of the big. I'm not going to mention her name, but well, I think she's the president of all of Pink Pistols. Had to put out a blog about it. Sectarian tension within the gay community. This group doesn't like this group. This group's not good enough for that group. This. And it's what happens when you have traumatized people who who are marginalized and have been shone too much, right? And then they're fighting for the good thing, but there's trauma. Yeah. And traumatized people are highly motivated that part of the brain that's about fear and aggression is certainly hyperbolic. It's not very good at discernment. So it's not accurate. It doesn't give a shit about facts. It doesn't care about boundaries. It cares about winning. And so the, that reality is the best one to start with because there's so much like sectarian infighting that happens. Like, great, all the togetherness and the parades and all of that stuff. I think there's probably more togetherness than there is not. But simultaneously, you have this other underlying thing. And it's easy. It, we can talk about it with like leftist extremists, but it's easier to talk about the example in the gay community because that's something that's out there. And I, it's published. People have published about it. I was just reading something uh, because we're studying domestic violence and there's a, a very significant domestic violence reality inside of the LGBTQ plus reality. And so there are a lot of people that are gay that have experienced with being domestically abused that they don't want to bring it up in public because because they're afraid of the retribution they'll get from the gay community hmm. because be, not because well yeah because it will make the gay community look bad like right. that's not me that's saying that that's something that's out there mm -hmm. right and it's and it's truthful so this is just an example of what you're trying to to bring up the 1A thing it, it is a giant problem tony it's a giant problem. And I said to my, I've said to my wife a number of times, when I'm done with my representation with LGO, I would probably go straight into a 1A thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, because I've, I'm, you know, it's yeah. the bigger, it, to me, it's the bigger problem. It's a big problem. If and you if have people saying yeah. to, like, ha, yeah, like, like 80 million people voted for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. 80 million people. So you have a small group of pissed off, motivated young people who frankly are toxic, 
who are going to turn around and tell all of the people that are white and male, or for other reasons, maybe just male, because a lot of black men don't cotton to leftisty stuff either, and so neither do Latin men, so Hispanic men. So they're going to turn around and tell all of those people that, number one, that election didn't matter. Number two, shut the fuck up. You're not allowed to have an opinion or say anything or care about your family. You're here to flip the world upside down, and the world is now going to prioritize this small cohort of extreme people who have a good point. They have a good point in what they're saying, but they've mm-hmm. toxified it, right? Um, yeah, the absolutely. entire society is supposed to flip upside down now because of this. And hmm. li- what liberal gun owners is in existence because I said, yeah, no, nope. And still we prioritize helping marginalized people in our mission. Right. Yeah. Yep. Also. Yeah, I I think I, these are great points, and I agree with so much and of of what you're saying. And I, I'm I've, I've sung the praises of Bill Maher before on on uh, this podcast, but I'm a huge Bill Maher fan. And even sure. even last week, he was debating somebody on, on the on his like after after the show YouTube deal. And I, I you know on the one hand he. he it's right. He's right when he's like, it's a false equivalency to say that people on the left are as dangerous to democracy as people on the right, because obviously people on the right tried to like storm the Capitol and like by violent means stop an election process from being carried out. But if there is a threat from the left to democracy, it's a 1A threat. I think it's a 1A threat. Um, it, it's shutting down free speech on which democracy is based. So I, I think you and I are singing off the same song sheet on that. Um, yeah, I have, well, I'll just yeah. say one more thing is that I have, yeah. a, I have a friend that's invo- involved in, in the liberal gun owners, uh, intellectual, uh, efforts. And he is a professor, uh, and, um, not David, um, another professor. And, um, you know, he said that, um, what do what they call what uh, postmodernism is how you know he, they talk yeah. about postmodernism is is one of the versions of it but he said that that you know um denial of the scientific method is in the postmodern dna and and so in the dna of this social outrage is also um uh, denial of f- facts uh there's mm-hmm. you can and and that's part of its issue is that it's highly involved in the tribal social part of the mind. And so it's it's reinforcing biases at a level that's amazing. And, and when you're in that place, you don't really care about factual information. People don't in that place don't care that they can just stay ignorant of the fact that asphalt on the roads is one of the most important things that they get a chance to, to, to use. And that we have to worry about asphalt also. Like we're not – we can't ignore these other things yeah. because of quote-unquote white white male patriarchy or – and th- these people simply cannot do what's involved in replacing the system or the whatever we have now with whatever they think we should have. They're not capable of it. So yeah. um, it's, it's just – it's very important. It, it, it's, it's not about power. Right, and and it's it's about there are it's about acknowledging the 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 it's about 
acknowledging reality and what how and progress you you can't have progress if you can't acknowledge reality or if you don't understand reality so anyway yeah it's a, it's a long conversation um i think that's a great segue into my next question for you uh, about mm-hmm. acknowledging reality. And so uh, my question is this, and I know, I know the answer. So I'm just kind of, I think putting, you know, putting the ball on the tee for you a little bit, but w- would a liberal sure. gun owner say, okay, I'm, I'm like, I, I'm, I'm grudgingly admitting that we live in a, a we're, you know, we live in a country with tens of millions of guns. Um, and that's not going to change. But in the best reality, there would be no guns. Like I'm, I'm a, I'm a utopian liberal. I would like us to live in an like almost an Aristotelian idealized polis society where we don't need guns because the cops don't need guns, the army doesn't need guns. That's that's the that would be the goal and the hope. Or is it like no, no? We actually love guns. We enjoy guns. We're glad guns are around. We have no regrets that there are guns in the world. We just are liberal people who own guns, different from the majority who are conservative people who own guns. You see what I'm? You see that kind of dichotomy I'm laying out for you there? Totally, totally. And it's subjective because there there are a lot of like moderates and liberal clothing in Mm. in our group, and there are people with different cultural tendencies and different maturity levels. And it's so, you know, and you say like, well, would a liberal say this or that? Well, what the, what, what is a liberal? Like which liberal? Like, (laughs) you know, and what is liberalism? Like you're screwed if you don't define it. Like, and that's, we might not get into this in this episode, but that's why I had to take years to define what's the actual wheat from the chaff in terms of liberalism, because there mm. there has to be one. So what has happened is we've stretched the liberal taffy so far that it's weakening, it's weakening. And so every it, it has included, has been stretched, and this is what happens when the world is served well by binaries and duality and saying these are liberals and these are conservatives. So it's just not true. Like it works great for the news cycle and it works great for parliament or the government, but <laughs> it's particularly liberals. There are so many different, there's such a range of beliefs. Everything that's left of center or left of conservatives is not liberal. Mm-hmm. And that's where everybody has to start in their education. Every, it's just a generic term to make everything fit, but there's actually a liberalism. And it's not an ever-widening taffy that accepts all people people of all kinds and all beliefs forever and ever stretched in all directions. That's enormously illiberal. It's not. Then what is it? Then what is it? There's. Holy shit. (laughs) Uh, Which we're going to start a whole other podcast territory. No, I get it. Um, I know that's, but, and I hate, I hate it when people do this to me too and say, well, in a nutshell, what is it then? But, but at least give our listeners, if if there, if, if there are gutters, if there are gutters on either side of the bowling lane, um, yep. Like, what are those gutters, I guess? Okay, so let's start out with Professor John McGowan's mechanism. And um, he wrote a book recently. Um, it's, uh, I think it's called American Liberalism. I'm not going to have it memorized, but John McGowan, North Carolina. Uh, um, I, I can't remember what university he's at. So liberalism is always a balancing mechanism between equality and liberty. Hmm. 
it is there's no absolute to one side or the other if you if you're going to try to get some more more on one side you're going to give up the other you can't ignore it. You can't escape it. And the entirety of liberalism is a jujitsu match. You're going to back and forth between those two things. There is no other reality you'll ever have. You're going to try to find the best balance between two things. That's why we can never be what the Republicans or conservatives try, which is there's one explanation. There's one God. There's one savior. There's one superior country in the world. There's one. There's one thing. One. Us. My group is the one. Me. Mm -hmm. One. Right? That's not liberalism. Liberalism is two mechanisms. It's two or one mechanism and two things on the balancing. It's equality mm -hmm. and liberty. So if you want equality so badly that you're going to sign on to a left-wing authoritarian regime forever, which is what a lot of these extremists on the left don't even know that that's what they're saying, but they are, right? So Donald Trump gets in the White House, slam the bars down. When the person on the opposite side of you gets in the White House, you slam the bars down around them. Don't let them do anything. When the person you like gets in the White House, give them a blank check forever, okay? Mm -hmm. So that's on the road to left-wing authoritarian reality. You, you simply... <laughs> You simply will have to police everyone's behavior and thought around the clock every day, all year, every year to get this utopian equality because people just aren't capable of it. They're capable of thinking it and feeling it and believing it, but doing it is an entirely different thing. Mm -hmm. So if it is... I just want equality, and I'm going to do everything that I can for that, including using the government to coerce and leverage all these laws and all of these beliefs and all of these norms to get everybody to comply. That is the sentiment of a lot of these people. And so that is not liberal whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have an understanding that liberty must have a check on whatever power conglomerate is your main power conglomerate in your reality, you must observe it and have a check on it. You can't just let it run the way that you – like it can't just run into infinity whenever it's serving your ideas because that's going to lead to a bad place. We already know that that happens with humans. So – Liberalism has – it is an anti-extremist, anti-totalitarian mechanism. It's not just an anti-fascist mechanism. It's an anti-totalitarian mechanism. So that is where it starts with liberalism. You can't just be like, oh, as soon as Obama's in, blank check. Let's go, Obama, forever, right? Mm -hmm. Let's just go and let him do whatever he wants forever. You can't – that's – because there are going to be issues there, right? So that's it. That's where I think I would start it. Okay. And, and it's very facile. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now we've now we've the ownership of firearms in America into that, sure. and and re reflect on uh, how how your organization, or if you don't want to speak for everyone in your organization or every liberal gun owner in America, like how you personally see. Um, 
what do you make of like the you know the numbers of we have orders of magnitude more guns than other western countries we have orders of magnitude yeah. more deaths by gun uh suicides and homicides by you know firearm so then now let's yep. let's um yeah let's let's put the wheels on the road here and say like having defined that what does your organization do or what do you personally do with with these the statistics and I mean, I won't. I don't even want to. I don't. I don't think we even need to talk about all the liberals I know who, when I, t- I most of my friends are liberal, progressive, and I hate guns. They say this to me all the time. My mom says sure. it to me. I hate guns. Sure. Well, I'm like, sure. okay, well, then we're not going to have a conversation if you hate sure. guns. But I'm not going to be. I'm not like making love to my gun at night. I mean, I I like my guns for the the tools that they are in doing a thing that I love, absolutely love to do, which is to hunt. Um, and I don't think any liberal gun owners, like I carry a firearm for self-protection because I really, really like to shoot bad guys, you know, like that's, I, I get it. That's not, that's not what it is. So, so having, I, I love that definition. And now where does gun ownership fit into that definition of being a, like a true liberal in America in the 21st century? Uh, yeah. So well, I should say first that they're definitely um, <laughs> classical liberalism. Let's make sure we put the other side in there too, is that left-wing authoritarianism is not liberalism. Right. And being cool with it is not liberalism. Well, classical liberalism is also not liberalism because it's basically like hands-off, laissez-faire, libertarianism, lack right. of sensitive, social sensitivity – Lack of understanding of the collective reality of humans in a social fabric. Um, not, that's also not liberalism. So <clears throat> in terms of guns, so every year should be different. And I don't mean that in a um, – I don't mean that in a naive way. Every year you'll have a new assessment, but not, not at the foundation. You're going to have a new nuanced assessment of what guns are, what it means what it means for public safety, what it means for rights. You should not changing your the belief, but understanding you have to operate with nuance in society. So uh, having a jujitsu mindset about it, because it's not liberalism if there's no there's no seesaw. And your your job is to try to balance the seesaw, right? It's not to have some some um, uh, the gospel, hard gospel, right? It's to have beliefs and understand that you need to keep them in place, but you have to balance the seesaw. So there are a lot of gun-related negatives, okay? But are there? Relative to other things. Is it how we focus on them or is it that there's a lot? Because there are, first and foremost, I don't like any of it. I don't like a world with guns. I don't like a world where I need guns. I don't like a world where society needs guns. It'd be great if we didn't have it. I think most people have that sense. Relative to your question earlier, most people that I would consider actual liberals who own guns, who actually participate, who have a good head on their shoulders, don't want a world where it's necessary. Mm-hmm. But the I, question I, I, comes, At least having guns for self-defense relative to 
guns for hunting or something. Or maybe they really? wouldn't want guns for hunting either. Well, I don't know. We could get or guns for military that, use. Yeah, but yeah, but if if we if there were no need for guns, ever, that's a better thing. That's a better thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it comes down to a, a number of questions: Are guns a necessity, or are they just a thing? And and in my estimation, as unbiased as I could be, and done years of research, they are a necessity. And that's not something that many humans want to, who are on the left, want to acknowledge. They'll acknowledge it in compartments, like it's a necessity for the cops, or it's a necessity for the soldiers. But is it a necessity for civilians? And it depends on the civilian. It depends on their life. But universally, when you measure it, are guns still a necessity for civilians in this culture? Yes. As what opposed say, to as as opposed to Sweden or Denmark or something where what I I would make the anthropologic case though and you should probably I'm about to post on our YouTube channel you know I took two years to research an anthropologic analysis and great literature on the relationship between humans and weapons and humans and projectiles and and. And, and analyzed baseline human behavior and its continuation from our origin as a species until now. And so, so if you just look at it superficially through Barack Obama versus Donald Trump, which is what how most people see the world, you can't see it. Yep. You can't understand it. You have to go comprehensively. You got to go deep. And so when you do go deep, what you do see is for the, for the average commoner on the planet, do I believe that the semi-automatic fire rifle, let's just go right to that. I'm not going to say AR-15, mm-hmm. the semi-automatic rifle. Do I think that that thing is a necessity for private citizens worldwide? I do. I do. Mm-hmm. Not just in America, everywhere. Does that mean every person should have one? No. But every culture should have a citizenry where that is peppered about because that why? ownership is because still why? universal. Because what, what does that afford a society <laughs> having those peppered about? Okay. So it, it, and I'm not saying it's peppered about it. Does it, that it doesn't create more problems. And when I'm saying that it's a, it's a little bit more theoretical. Okay. Sure. The actualities, the deep, deep actualities of that. Oh God, I, I, I'm still going down that rabbit hole. But the first thing I will say is that the more solid people that you have engaged on the internal and the inside of the boundaries of a phenomenon, the more you're going to get a positive result than if you have people who are against the phenomenon on the outside of the boundaries pointing their finger at it. You will get a better long-term positive result out of more mature and evolved humans engaging in it than people who don't like it for primitive emotional reasons, scapegoating it and shaking their finger. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. That's the first reason. The second reason is anthropologically, we've learned that <laughs> This is going to sound whack to most people, but we have learned that there is a there is a mutually assured destruction that happened uh, mutually assured destruction that happens with humans in their 
uh, at the local level, not nuclear, at the local level, level, there is a version of mutually assured destruction that happens with humans in their midbrain, in, the, in, the, in their primitive uh, aspect. That uh, forces or will make sure and reinforce that things stay diplomatic, that diplomacy or the other choice is the better choice. The not using it is the better choice. Mm-hmm. And the more so, people so, that you so, have so, that yeah. are solid and evolved, the, the more that's stabilized, right? Instead so, so, of all so of that, the static so yeah, gaps the, in it. Right. The ownership of firearms then becomes a check on what a theologian might call um, uh, you know, our fallen nature or our depraved nature. Um that 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 the mutually assured you know destruction that you're talking about i it and it reminds me i i've heard you talk about this on your podcast too but there there was a rash of carjackings in minneapolis last summer and the police were struggling with it and it was happening in all sorts of places and in unlikely places like the bougie suburb that i live in and uh, like the high-end grocery store parking lot, it happened. Uh, and and nobody yeah. knew if it was kids copycatting each other. Well, it turned out it was two kids were responsible for all, all like for two dozen carjackings over, over the course of a month. And they finally um, broke one up when uh, a woman was getting carjacked in one of these bougie shopping uh supermarket grocery uh par- parking lots and a couple people tried to come and and wrestle these guys out of the it was a it was a actually a young man and a young woman tried to wrestle them out of the car and they ended up driving over uh, the woman who owned the car would like one, drove over her leg it was a totally chaotic scene and a guy with a license to carry ran up holding his gun up in the air didn't even point his gun at these kids and they ran off and they were caught because now they're on foot and they're not on the car and, and the cops catch them and, and the carjacking stopped. Um, and it was interesting to me as someone who does not carry that. And people were, you know, as you might guess, I mean, uh, people were terrified about getting carjacked. These kids were like walking into people's houses and grabbing the keys off their, you know, hooks on the side of their inside the garage and like driving away with their cars and stuff. So people were really sure. terrified by it. And I I guess that is one anecdote and there are many other anecdotes that go to your point, but of course there's tons of contrary anecdotes like the thousands of people who get their hands on a gun they don't own and use it to commit suicide every year sure um so how do you uh yeah how do you how do you balance those because i i i guess you 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 know the numbers better than i do and and i guess it's a fine question to say are guns really that dangerous compared to like automobiles right numerically speaking for americans on on an annual basis or heart disease or obesity or whatever i mean there's a lot of shit that kills americans that we kind of gloss over. Um, so anyways, I just, I'm throwing a bunch of stuff out there at you, but uh, I wonder it, what- It presumes yeah. that what I just said presumes 
that the people that would involve themselves with firearms are seeking self-improvement, they're self-aware, they're mature. It presumes that if you have cultures and populace of more and more people that are are armed and they're not self-aware and their heads up their ass and they're not mature, then that's not a positive thing. Right. So this is a nuanced assessment and it needs even more nuance, but I think it's the point stands. If you have, and so there, again, here's a simple analogy for people. You stand on the, in the shallows of the beach and the wave is coming at you. You're facing the waves and the wave is coming at you. And then there are the people that turn and run to the beach because they don't want to get the wave. And then there are the people that know how to, if you've ever uh, dove through a wave, you mm -hmm. know, it's coming and you just dive kind of underneath it and get out on the other side. There's the people that go at the wave and the people that run to the beach and turn around and shake their finger at the wave. Damn you, wave, for ruining my vacation. I'm at the Outer Banks. I'm trying to have a good time. It was too big. I, I just wanted a little wave, not that big one. So most people are run to the beach person. So this particular phenomenon with firearms and firearms-related negatives, my hypothesis is we need more people that can dive into the wave. Hmm. And so the whole hypothesis of the anti-gun neoliberal or the super pro-gun control neoliberal is to run to the beach and shake your finger at the wave. And I'm saying hmm. we need less of those people and, the, and our society and the world over needs more people that dive into the wave because it's not, you know, the mutually assured destruction thing, that's not like the only benefit. Like you can have mutually assured destruction between two individuals, but that's not the end of the story. Like if you have, if you're Tony and you get into armed self-defense, it doesn't necessarily mean you're out carrying all the time or tactical hut, hut, hut guy. You now have a more in-depth knowledge and that is going to feed the other things that you can do that don't have anything to do with the gun to improve the gun situation. And those are the things that are most important. What I said originally would sound like to some people, I just want people running around with guns and carrying guns. No, no, no. Engage yourself in the phenomenon. Understand it. Get the knowledge. Got the experience. And then contribute from that position to the other things hmm. that have nothing to do with the gun, right? That's 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 the benefit of really what I'm saying. Yeah. Right. Is, yeah. But there yeah. but there is an anthropologic mutually assured destruction thing that happens inside of the human psyche for sure. Also, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I I I I don't doubt that. I mean, there 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 are theolo like I said, there are theological categories that that explain that in theological ways, and as well as anthropological, sociological. Um, explanations yeah. as well. The, and and, and those, I guess, yeah. I was just going to say, those numbers do need to come down. I'm not saying they don't. I'm not yeah. saying don't, don't view um, regulation and, and gun laws. And I'm not saying that. I'm not one of those people mm -hmm. that, that guns are hermetically sealed off from the rest of the world. Don't touch it. And then you know, we're not going to work to improve these things. It's about what does the person who actually knows what they're talking about and who actually studies this stuff, what does that person want to do to improve general homicide, suicide, 
domestic violence, um, uh, uh, color-on-color violence, accidents, police misconduct shootings, mass shootings. What is the person who's not caught up in all this superficial political polarization bullshit around the firearms ownership public safety nexus? What is the person who's actually going to be in it? And, and understand it and care about it and study it, what is that person? How does that person want to go about it? That's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. Well, what, that's the person uh, I, yeah. I am. Yeah, yeah. And what I appreciate about that and, and what I get frustrated with liberals about, it, I mean, just, just like I get frustrated with conservatives and honestly gun, you know, firearm companies, uh, ammunition companies who then um, – who, who then thrive as a result of this, like Biden's going to take my guns, Hillary's going to take my guns, Obama's going to take my guns, you know, that, that uh, that's ridiculous. Right. That is the American government is never going to come and start confiscating guns. People are like, Oh, look what happened in New Zealand. You know, well, that's not going to happen here because we have a different country than New Zealand, but I'm also as frustrated with people on the left who live in this utopian pipe dream of like, what if we could just get all the guns off the streets and all the guns out of people's basements and out of their off their out of their bedside stands and stuff? Like that is never going to freaking happen. There are so many tens of millions sure. of firearms in this country. Why would we spend? Why would we waste any breath or brain matter on some utopian pipe dream that's never going to happen? Let's instead, sure. um, for instance, teach teach young men who are becoming fathers to store their guns safely. So those guns are not accessible to their children. Let's like distribute trigger locks or, you know, make it affordable. So people who want a gun for self-defense can have like a fingerprint operated gun safe next to their bed or something. Like there are things we can do to make whatever you're going to call it, the gun reality in America safer for people. And that's, Personally, as a liberal gun owner, that's what I'm interested in is like actual realistic uh, uh, solutions, not freaking pipe dreams. Right. Yes. And leadership is what liberalism is supposed to be. Liberalism Mm -hmm. is supposed to be about about social leadership and, and into the realm of progress. And what high gun control people are doing is they're not leading us it's it's a it's a form of it's not progressive it's regressive Mm -hmm. because they don't even represent a sophomoric understanding of human behavior and how laws and regulations affect or impact human behavior laws are terrible preventatives they're terrible preventatives they're terrible (laughs) They're not, there's not, the, the preventative power of a law is not zero, but it's not even, oh, I don't know, 10% of effect. It's, it's terrible. They're, do they deter? It's context dependent. Yeah. Laws are, are not deterrent automatically. So why do we have a political class on one side that spends zillions of dollars all the time to sell to the American public that the way that you deal with this particular problem is you pile laws on it. Mm-hmm. That is exactly what common sense gun reform is. And some of these people 
know this, and some of them don't. But the reality is, is you get such little effect from trying to control people's behavior through laws, and you will get such little mitigative effect on gun problems from these ideas, these jurisprudential ideas, that you must engage in a forever, forever, ever, 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 increase it, increase it, increase it to get the fucking water out of those stones. Mm-hmm. You have to. You have to incrementalize because the only way that you can get some real measurable effect is to choke the whole phenomenon forever then, from then, the okay. jurisprudential political yeah. reality. So then tell me before we go here as your, as your uh, benediction to us, what as a man, former man of the almost cloth – uh, what, <laughs> what, as opposed to common sense gun laws, which is a phrase that I used to use and got, you know, chastised for using rightly. So what does right. LGO do? What are, what are examples that, you, that, that you, um, advocate for that can make gun ownership better and safer in the U S Okay. First and foremost, school shootings. Very important for so many different reasons. There's a phenomenon called student threat assessment, behavioral threat assessment. These are systems Mm -hmm. that have been created since Columbine that are worked in this country every day to effect. Every school shooting you see, there's likely two or three more that are stopped. Do you know that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, no, that I know that, but you're right. That's not that that's rarely advertised. Yeah. Why, why, ask yourself why you don't know, why do you not know that? Hmm. If you're a liberal or a progressive, why do you not know that? I thought you were a progressive person. I thought you were a person that wants to improve the world. Even if you put the kibosh on all of the guns and get rid of all of the AR-15s, the school shootings are still going to happen because of the behavioral reality that's behind them. So even if you did that, you wouldn't stop school shootings. So what would you have to do then? Hmm. You'd have to learn how you stop the behavioral script. And those systems are already in play. So go ahead. Go ahead and ban the AR-15s. But that's not the prime step. It's not the prime mechanism. Why are we spending all of this time focusing on an assault weapons ban to stop school shootings? It's bullshit. You can't even do it. You can get rid of all of the AR-15s and you're still going to have school shootings. So why don't people know that? Just that one example. My business is all of the eight categories that we have split gun-related negatives into. My goal is to get exactly what I just said, that kind of an understanding of what it really is and what it really takes in all eight categories, and then mitigate based on reality, Mm -hmm. right? So what does liberal gun owners do? We don't listen to what's going out in the world in Plato's cave, where everybody's in there looking at the shadows dancing around, and they think that that's what's up. They think the the assault weapons ban is what's up, but it's not what's up. Mm certainly when it comes to school shootings. So, so 
and I can I have an example. Uh, you know, we're working on the understanding for all of those eight categories, and so eventually I will have that kind of a strong answer for okay. everything. But yeah, right that's now, good. So, yeah, so for, for I mean, the first thing I guess what I'm hearing you say is the first thing is um, educate ed, like educating liberals on the reality of. Uh, which that's that's going to be that's a freaking uphill climb right there man sure the other thing that's hard is this is the other thing that i would leave us with and the benediction of there will be no improvements at the, the you have to do you have to understand the value of firearms ownership rights and public safety together you have to only a person who fully understands the benefit of both and the values of both and the pro human benefits of both can under have the vision to do this jujitsu. Otherwise, mm. it's just going to be Chinese finger lock forever and ever. And I'm frankly, I'm tired of it. That's why I'm not waiting around anymore. Mm -hmm. So unless liberals start to understand, number one, that firearms ownership and self-armed self-defense is a pro-human, pro-social phenomenon. It is not the devil. It is not an ant. It is not bad. It is not something that's on the side and only for dipish gun owners who live in the country. Or whatever. It's not that. It is a pro-human, pro-social phenomenon. And we have been involved in it the entire time we've been a species with weaponry in general. But, but with guns, this is a continuous thing. So it's a pro-human, pro-social phenomenon, number one. And number two, it is a legitimate path for mitigation of firearms-related negatives. It is uh, pro-social and pro-human, and it is a legitimate path to reducing negatives. Now, how, why are all the reduction of negatives ideas all about laws? Th this is the reality. Until people can get those two things down, well, I'm not going to boogie down with them. I'm, not gonna, I, I'm, go I'm going to win. Mianovich is going to win. I'm on, I'm on my way to the end zone. You can come with me or not. Like I've already seen it. I've already tested these ideas out. I know they're going to work. Yeah. So that's the thing until liberals and progressives can let go of it. I'm not saying don't, I'm not saying like the AR-15. I'm saying, why don't you start with, this is a pro-social, pro-human thing and armed self-defense actually mitigates firearms related negatives also. Mm. Right. Holy smokes, man. That's, that is, it is so fascinating to talk to you and uh, I hate to cut it off because I That's think right. we could go on and on. So I'd yep. love to have you back on. I'll, I'll see if you in, uh, allow, if your mods allow me into the Facebook group. We, <laughs> we'll see. Well, see. well I'm going to say this, Tony. <laughs> I, okay. So 80%, 80 of awesome, 80% of awesome is the only thing that that Facebook group can ever be. Do not expect <laughs> that you're going into that Facebook group and it's going to be a conversation with Mianovich. I can't speak yeah. for it. <laughs> I, know, I know. We, It's just not 4chan, but we do the best that we can. So you yeah. might go in there yeah. and go, this is a show. No, but, dude, but honestly, Facebook is a freaking dumpster fire to begin with. So if you can yeah. have like a civil conversation in in a little corner of that dumpster that's not yeah. totally an inferno, good for you. Yeah. yeah. It, it It is indeed... <laughs> maybe one of the best places on earth. It is completely unique. When it's in a good place, there's no other place like it. It's really, really still at where it is. It's a huge asset to the world, yeah. but it's still the fucking internet. 
So whatever, you, whatever you do, I can't speak on it. I can't speak yeah. on it, All but right. well, I I'm sure, sure hope, yeah. I'm going to let my dudes know it's you. I have a lot yeah. of, um, I think a lot of my listeners are progressive and a lot of them, yeah. I, I mean, I hear from people like I thought I was the only, you know, progressive hunter out there. And so I think, I hope people will check out um, I'll have the links obviously in the show notes and I hope people will check out your podcast and your website and, um, and, you know, join your Facebook group if they want to be part of that conversation. And sure. man, I'd love to have you back on sometime down the road. Cause I, I, you, you're a fascinating guy to talk to. And I love, uh, I love that you've been thinking about this stuff for a long time. Love it. Any, anytime, man. And I want to get you on my thing. And um, I, I knew I was going to break the F's rule, and I broke the F's okay. rule. So. <laughs> it's okay, buddy. It's not the first. You're not the first. Usually it's me. Usually it's me because people, when they get, when they get on with a, a reverend, they tr they tend to be on their best behavior, but I appreciate it. I think this might have been your best behavior. So it was good. <laughs> I, it probably right. was. Well, I felt restrained, and then yeah. I just couldn't do it anymore. Yeah, man, no problem. All right, thanks, everybody.